0: You have a say, believe it or not, in where you locate your past with yourself. You actually have a say about where you place that with you. And and you get to you get to choose how that thing plays out in your consciousness.
1: Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I am your host, Rosie Acosta, yoga teacher and teacher trainer mindfulness coach, speaker, and creative writer. I am also the founder of RadicallyLove.com, a website where you can go for more information about yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and lifestyle advice. On this podcast, we talk to people within our health and wellness community that are creating content through the ritualistic practice of yoga, meditation, or overall mindful living. We hope to create value in your life so that you can achieve your highest potential and live a radically loved life. To stay in touch with us, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Acosta and on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie. You can sign up for our newsletter on radicallyloved.com to stay up to date on future workshops, retreats, and latest podcasts. What's up, fam? Who else has tried Fab Fit Fun? If you don't already know about it, It's a seasonal box with full-size beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. The box I received was so epic. Truth be told, I've been a subscriber for a long time, and when we partnered up, I totally fangirled out and admitted to them that I had been a subscriber for years. Each season's box features a variety of amazing quality brands like Tarte, Kate Somerville, Anthropology Free People, Dr. Brandt, and that's just the beginning of it. So don't miss out because they sell out fast. Check out www.fabfitfun.com and use the code Radical, that's R-A-D-I-C-A-L. So you can save $10 off your first box, making it only 39.99. Again, that's fabfitfun.com and use the code Radical. You deserve to treat yourself. Gary John Bishop is one of my favorite authors. He began his journey in Glasgow, Scotland And his grit and wit from an early life has contributed to his irreverent, tough love in your face approach to personal growth and development. He is also the New York Times bestselling author of Unfuck Yourself, Get Out of Your Head and Into Your Life. We had the best conversation for this interview that lasted way longer than it should have. I've seen him speak and I really love his approach and his no bullshit attitude, especially in this space. He shares different tools that you can use in your life to begin to transform the narrative and to get out of your normal habits, something that we love to hear about on this podcast. I can't wait to share this conversation with you and hear what your thoughts are. Here is Gary John Bishop. I'm extremely excited to have this special guest on today's show. Gary Bishop is on. Everyone, welcome. Hi, Gary. Thank
0: you. Thanks for having me. It's great.
1: I'm so excited to talk to you because, first of all, um, I'm excited about your new book that's coming out, Stop Doing That Shit. And... Or, you know, how do you say when people, I mean, we can curse on this podcast, just so you know, so that makes it even more fun. Well, oh, that's nice. <laughs> but I really loved Unfuck Yourself. And I read that, I think two years ago, it came out in 2016, right? Right. And um, I loved it so much. It was such a simple uh, way of understanding how we basically are responsible for putting ourselves in the situations
0: <laughs> that we're yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> Right.
1: (laughs) And I feel like it definitely resonated with me with the work that I do in the space of uh, health and wellness, right? Because so much of our health is dependent on our decisions and the choices that we make, because essentially we're walking embodiments of every choice that we make. And um, I loved how you spoke to the mindset about this. And uh, essentially the book gives us like seven different ways of, um, assessing where we are and giving us different tools to break free from, uh, the habits and the narratives that we bestow upon ourselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I have a couple of questions with regard to that, but mostly for you, what was it that, allowed you to get to a place where you decided, okay, I, I need to put this wisdom or this information down in a, in a simplistic form so that people can resonate with it.
0: Yeah. Um, I I guess, um, so, you know, my niche, if you like, is self-help and I'm I'm not a big fan of the notion of self-help. Um, I think, I think the notion of self-help puts you in a place of being needful of something. So, uh, you know, my approach is always coming from I'm more interested in how you grow and how you develop rather than how you help, right? And people might think those are just, you know, frivolous little uses of language, but they're not. They're really significant and they're really important. Um, And one of the things that always struck me about this category, if you like, is that it was too abstract, it was too complex or gimmicky, you know. You know, I didn't want another strategy, the seven steps to something, right? That wasn't gone, that never did it for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, being categorized, like, oh, you're a blah, 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 blah kind of person. I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do with that? Um, So I really wanted to write the book that I wanted to read. So I wanted a book that was just like, listen, you're an asshole. Straighten up, right? Um, Which really was like, you know, (laughs) which a lot of people don't like it. You know, they're like, oh, my God, you know, oh, you don't know my journey. Right, right. Um, And my approach to that is you're too fascinated by your journey. You know, like, what about the rest of the journey, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I was really interested in delivering the kind of book to people that I wanted to read and, and that I thought would make a difference for somebody who really truly is struggling in life or challenged in life or stopped in life or somehow blocked in life in a way that, I mean, look, I'm a I'm a father of three sons. I've been married for 20-something years. I I'll, I'll love a cuddle as much as an ex-person, but there are some times in life where it's just not working, mm-hmm. and and I wanted to deliver the book that cut through all the BS and got right into people's heads, and had them wake up to something, the kind of awakening that would inspire them to take new actions. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's that's so relevant, especially now. You know, you said something that I, I want to see if you'll elaborate on a little bit more, this idea that we're essentially addicted to our story, right? There's right. Like this addiction of, well, this is how I grew up, and you know i have these issues and i just this is the way it is and that's just it you know i i grew yeah. up, i grew up around a lot of people with that um uh, victim mentality you know right. where it's just like right. i'm i'm just a victim this is just the way the system is and that's just life
0: yeah um <clears throat> so a lot of people who have this thing called a victim mentality don't think they do right they they <laughs> think it's other people that have that they, they think, no, I'm just fighting for my rights or I'm just taking a stand for something. And, you know, you got to really, you got to really catch yourself, you know, like most people listen to me to listen to me and observe or, or kind of um, pick apart what I'm saying and your attention really needs to be on what's getting triggered when I talk, mm-hmm. right? So like what's coming to life for you? And a lot of people, when they listen to me talk or read my stuff, they get annoyed and they think that's me. And the reality is you're the one getting annoyed. You might want to check in with how come that's hooking me. Like, what is it? Not like, oh, yeah, he's just being like, what am I hanging on to that this, that I'm getting triggered by this? So, um, so you know, our past, and, and this swings both ways, okay? So some people would say um, they're weighed down by their past. And other people would say, I'm a victory over my past. And neither of them are very good, actually, ultimately, because your past ends up becoming this kind of effigy that you throw yourself at the feet of it and model your entire future around. So the past is nothing more, and I mean like nothing more than a conversation you're having with yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's limited to that. There's nothing else happening. You're having thoughts and feelings and emotions around this conversation that you have with yourself. So, um, and and you know, people don't realize that in language and the subtleties of language, that the lies are real power, right? So, um, uh, one that I like to point to with people is when people say, "Well, that person left me." Okay. Now, that might seem like an innocuous use of language, right? You know, we were together. They left me. That, that sentence alone condemns you to a life of being at the effect of somebody else. Like they did what they did to you, right? Now, there's a dynamic, there's a world, there's a range of emotions that arise in this world called that person left me, right? Because it immediately assumes that they're going on to greater things and here am I stuck where I am and what's wrong with me? Which people often get themselves stuck in that paradigm, if you like. But here's the reality. They left. That's it. There's nothing else happened. They left. All the drama out of them leaving, all of your insights, everything you made that mean, everything you held on to, everything that that confirmed for you, that's on you. The reality is they left. And there's no drama. And they left. So, for instance, my children left for school this morning. They left. They didn't leave me, right? right? I'm here doing something else. And and it's important that people start to stop and have a little look at, like, what, what do I say to myself about my past? What are the ways in which my past is still shaping my potential? Mm-hmm. And without that kind of introspection, without that kind of um, – raising of the awareness of what's actually going on with yourself will leave you a perpetual victim to what has been
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and so what do you think is the fine line between living in the past right or focusing on that narrative or then just ignoring it
0: yeah well i'm I'm not i'm not saying that people just I mean, there are valuable lessons to of, to the past, right? Like, very valuable ones. Like, when a stovetop is being used, it's hot. I, I remember that from the last time I used the stovetop. So when I go to the stovetop again, I'm, you know, if it's being used, I'm pretty certain it's going to be hot again. So that's an example of the past mm-hmm. um, working well in my favor. But if you look at the example of love, like, if I'm in a relationship with somebody and that person chooses to um, to cheat, right? Mm-hmm. Not cheat on me, but to cheat. Cheat on what? Cheat on the agreement we had, right? So it's not cheating on me, it's cheating on the agreement we had. What's the agreement we had? Uh, we're not going to cheat on each other, right? We're not going to do that. We're going to keep this safe and whatever. Mm-hmm. So if that person then determines, well, I'm out and I'm going to have this relationship on the side and then I find out. Uh, Many people come to certain conclusions about relationships based on that one and echoed by a couple of other ones from their past and then determine how the next relationship is going to go based on that blueprint. So I'm not going to go out with somebody like that again. Mm-hmm. Well, why not? But this other person could be totally different. Um, so it's it's really about being a if your past isn't lighting you up like a Christmas tree. It's probably best you set it aside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and 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 believe it or not, people find this really challenging to believe or, or or even get on the side of you have a say, believe it or not, in where you locate your past with yourself. You actually have a say about where you place that with you. And and you get to you get to choose how that thing plays out in your consciousness. Mm-hmm. and it's not an easy journey or 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 work to do but it's the work that i insist all human beings should be doing that is to do the work to to tell the difference between what actually happened in my life and what did i dramatize mm-hmm. and you'll see by the way whatever you dramatize still plays out and a and a short circuit to that process would be to ask yourself what are the ways that i use my past to justify myself, mm-hmm. and right there you'll see how it's still playing out and still reaching into your future and still condemning you to the same kind of life.
1: Yeah, yeah. So essentially, and it's what you talk about in the book. It's it's cultivating this discernment for us to be able to uh, realize those things on our own. Right. Right? So, right. And that's and it's a practice, would you say? Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. So it, but we have to start somewhere.
0: Yeah. Right? Right. So, if if you start with the notion that you actually fucked yourself over, right, just start there. Right. Just just be like, just wake up one morning and just say, okay, I I, I fucked this. Right? right. This isn't my mom. This isn't my dad. This isn't that jerk who messed around with that person. This isn't the bankruptcy. This isn't the the accident. This isn't like I screwed myself. Right. I've talked myself into a hole. Now, some people might be like, oh my God, what terrible news. No, that's brilliant news. Why? Because you created the misery. So you cre- how do you know you create the misery? Because you can take two you can take one single life event, you can put two people in front of that life event, and they'll both have a different reaction to it. So someone may go bankrupt and decide that life is no longer living, worth living. Someone else might go bankrupt and see it as the greatest opportunity of their life, a fresh start. What's really happening is a bankruptcy. That's it. That's all. How one responds to that thing will take your life in a certain pathway. People don't realize that that pathway is of their own volition. They feel like their pathway was cast upon them and that they're just making the best out of this life. And I invite people to consider that every moment of every day, every moment of every day, you are forging a pathway of your own choice. Yet it seems like I'm not. It seems like the pathway was getting presented to me and I somehow have to traverse this difficulty. That make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. I'm curious now just to kind of segue into uh, something else that I wanted to ask you about and. It's in regard to being in a relationship and you've been married for a long time. And, yeah, you know, when you have two people in a relationship, is it is it important for both people to be on that same frequency of realization, of awareness, to, to have a successful, uh, you know, union or... Is it okay for one person to be a little bit less evolved than than the yeah. other? <laughs> I,
0: yeah. I
1: I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that yeah. and, and how you've achieved a successful marriage.
0: Right. So I um so my approach to people in general terms is often seems like really counterintuitive. Right? Seems like it would create an even bigger mess. Mm-hmm. But if you be with what I'm saying. And you let yourself just kind of settle in it like a nice tea bag and a cup of hot water. And you let some of those flavors just come out and you just kind of sit in what I'm saying. You'll actually come to the same kind of realizations that I came to, right? So my approach to being in a relationship is all about what am I bringing to the table? I, I, I'm i not looking over there at my wife to, to check out what she's bringing. What she's bringing is what she's bringing. I'm clearly okay with that because I've been married for 20 something years. So, you know, I'm okay with what she brings to the table, but I don't seek it. Mm-hmm. So in other words, I don't look to my wife for my experience of being loved. I don't say, you know, you don't, what I look for my wife is I find ways to love her. So I'm constantly uncovering new ways to love her. Um, And then in that, and that exploration—it's not seeking; it's exploring, which is different. Yeah. Se- seeking makes me think that there's some point where this ends. It never ends. I'll die—that's when it ends. Right. So, but with my wife, it's like I'm finding and exploring new ways to to love her. And in that exploration, I experience all the love a man could ever want. So I don't, I'm not relying on like, you know, I don't need my wife to rub my neck to show me she loves me. She can do that or not do that. That's up to her. The only request I have of my wife is that she be on this. She be there. That's it. I'm just like, can you just be here and be yourself? And that's it for me. I don't, I don't need you to, you know, demonstrate how much you love me by what you, by what you scoop out of the slow cooker. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, all I need you to do is just be here. And and that's what I require from a human being, right? Some people, it's not even that important. You don't even need to be here. You can be somewhere else most of the time. So, um, and then to kind of circle that round into your question, I don't, I have no expectation of my wife. She doesn't, I don't need her to be someone other than herself. So her evolution is part of her life experience Mm -hmm. she's going through that herself Mm -hmm. um i'm going through mine myself i share mine with her she'll sometimes share hers with my with me Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like curious to have that connection with somebody somebody who like wow yeah i've just kind of seen this about myself that's often not how we communicate with each other it's more like yeah i've just noticed this about you you know Mm -hmm. like why don't we talk about something i think that you've got to hang up about, which is a recipe for disaster right? right um i mean i've coached tens of thousands of people and the last person in the world i would ever coach would be my wife i would never coach my wife i would never say oh let me tell you about this little subconscious trigger you've got i mean that's that's <laughs> never gone that's never going to go well <laughs> right so so right. that's a she's got to work that out but if she wants to talk to me about that stuff so she wants to say you know i was, was going to think about this what do you think that is and you know i might discuss it with her then mm-hmm. but um but I, I don't see love as a 50 50 i don't see it that way mm-hmm. i see it as i'm all in i'm 100 committed to being in this thing but i'm going to give it all i've got mm-hmm. and if at some point this person stops playing the game then that's just it. there's nothing i can do about that right if they're like you know what i'm not going to play this game mm-hmm. i'm not playing this game of being in a relationship with you i get it but that doesn't mean to say I'm going to withhold myself um, in a loving way. I'm just going to say, okay, I love you, but this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Which is not going to happen in my marriage because my wife and I have a vow with each other and the vow is it's never over. Right? So right. it's just, no matter what happens, this is never over. There's no back door. So if there's any bullshit here, we got to work it out. Right. Um. But I really don't, I really don't have her on the hook and Anyway, for my experience of being in this relationship, she's not on the hook for it. I'm on the hook for that. Yeah. And and I chose this woman, you know, 22 years ago. I chose this woman as someone that I would like to walk this pathway with. That's my choice. I'm responsible for my choices. And, you know, that includes uh, when when there's bumps in the road, it's not bumps in the road between her and I. It's bumps in the road that I'm experiencing. And I'm either going to transform that or we're going to have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. One or the other. So I don't, I, I'm really not interested in fixing my wife, improving my wife, making her better. Because that kind of points to that I'm not okay with who she is. And I'm okay with who she is. You know she's whole and perfect mm-hmm. to me. Um, there's nothing about her that I would improve. Why? Because it all constitutes this woman. Um, I, I don't really know if there's anything else I would say more about that. My 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 response to relationships is, I'm a hundred percent responsible and I'm all in.
1: Yeah. Would you give that same advice for people that? you know, are dating or are on these dating apps trying to find their mate, Yeah, that, that maybe the opposite person doesn't have their same level of integrity. Because essentially, that's yeah. what you're saying, right? It's a, there's a certain level of responsibility, autonomy, and integrity that you come in with. And, and of course, if both people come in with that same level of those same attributes, then it, it makes things easier to work, right? But what right. happens, you know, in general, when that's not the case?
0: Well, you know, I think you have to look at when you go into a relationship, you kind of got to look at like, oh, well, what what do I want? Mm-hmm. Right? What am, what do I want not in a person. It's like what do I want in a relationship? Right. Right? right? So, I think part of the illusion is that we're finding the right mate. You're not. You're 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 finding someone who you can agree with. Mm. Right? So, it's not the right mate. It's like can I find someone that I agree with that I agree that we both have the same kind of view of how this should go I mean there's a there's a there's a part of being married for instance that I think is worthwhile bringing up and it's called um it's called the vow so in a marriage and in most marriages of every every um, faith uh, there's a there's either a an implicit or an implied vow um now, what is a vow? A vow is like a sacred covenant. It's it's a spoken contract. And and there's not a lot of use for a vow anymore. We're not we don't really make them, you know. <laughs> like, I'll see you at twelve, and I vow to be there. You know, nobody's, <laughs> Right. Uh, nobody's saying that shit. So, so as a, as a phenomenon, as maybe a, we should as, start saying that. Maybe know. we should. Yeah. Maybe we should. But as a as a phenomenon, it's gone. Um, and it's gone. It's literally gone. Like the, 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 a vow in a marriage, for instance, has become little more than ceremonial. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, it was like you you were giving your sacred honor to something. And you were willing to deal with yourself and delivering on that sacred honor. And again, I know a lot of people are going to say, yeah, but what about them? But what about, which is why relationships don't work. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's always about what they're doing. Right? It's not about, well, what am I doing in response to their doing? Am I holding myself? I said I would love, honor, and cherish you. Now you're being an asshole, and I'm thinking I'm not going to love, honor, and cherish right now. (laughs) Right? Right? Or can I love, honor, and cherish this asshole? Right? And if I'm holding myself to loving, honoring, and cherishing this asshole, what do I need to deal with about myself? And if I'm saying I am no longer willing to love, honor, and cherish this asshole, then your relationship's over. And you should get out and stop pretending. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like being in a relationship with somebody is very much a case of holding yourself to being your greatest self without any need from that other person. Like, because it can't be something you're doing so that they change or be different. It's literally got to be, I, I... I enjoy myself and enjoy the experience of myself when I'm being a loving human being. And I would rather be that being than my most cynical self. Right. And I'm going to base that being not on that other person, but on my own sense of self. And you might have a partner who reciprocates, which is nice, but I'll tell you after 22 years, it's rare. You're not always on the same page. You're not always like, you know, I get up in the morning and you know, I might be a little hangry, <laughs> me too. I'm right, like that. yeah. And I'm, I'm taking on the day, and I'm like, Son of my wife's like, Can do you know where that I'm like, no, I don't know where you know, I'm not my best. I'm not like, Well, I can't find it right now, sweetheart, but let me help you, right? No, it's not always like that. Um, so we're not always there with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the great thing I think the works of a relationship, and I know there's many of your listeners going to be going, Oh, yeah, yeah, see, this is what I didn't have, right? But anyway, and you know, you're kind of backing yourself in your corner with that statement. But anyway, sometimes my wife is the one who keeps things afloat, and sometimes it's me, and sometimes it's the two of us. Mm-hmm. But there's rarely an expectation from either of us to look to the other one to sail the boat. So if the boat's sinking, or if there's days when the boat's sinking, I'm either going to step in and get this thing moving or not. Like, I'm going to blame them as to why it's – which is how this shit goes, by the way. It's like I'm blaming you for the water coming in the boat. And I'm just going to sit there and go, well, why don't you put your finger in it? Because I'm sick and tired. I put my finger in the fucking hole in the boat and we're sinking. So, I mean, I don't know what your problem is. I mean, what is it? Something with your index fingers? I mean, why can't you just shove a finger in the boat? I mean, this thing is sinking. I mean, we're going to drown. I mean, you could drown. This isn't going to work. And all the while, the fucking boat's sinking. And I just say, well, why don't you just shove your finger in it? Well, I'm tired of shoving my finger in it. I know, but you're going to drown. Right. And so I take the view that how this relationship goes it's on me but I'm not suffering in that dynamic I'm not cornered in that dynamic Mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a magnificent experience of expressing myself and being someone who lives life like I can impact where it goes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm not dependent on I'm not waiting on other people to save me
1: yeah Yeah, and I I love, this is something that you speak to a lot, you know, this idea of self-efficacy, of of Mm -hmm. being able to take that responsibility and, and understand why you do what you do. Organifi is an organic superfood supplement line that makes quality, trusted nutrition convenient and accessible. As a yoga and meditation teacher and as a holistic health coach, I frequently get asked by students and listeners, is there a good supplement to help with stress and aid sleep? And for many of us, we can go days without getting good sleep and this can become so frustrating because it affects your entire day. Americans are spending $50 billion a year on sleeping pills. And the irony is that those pills don't let you get the rejuvenation and the rest that you actually need. So one of my favorite products to use from Organifi is Organifi Gold. It helps in so many ways. It helps sleep, it helps soothe muscles, and helps support joints. And for somebody that travels a lot, like myself, this is definitely my go-to travel supplement. Many of you have seen me post about it on social media, and I love that it's packed with superfoods for sleep and relaxation like ginger, maximum strength turmeric, reishi mushrooms, lemon balm, turkey tail mushrooms, cinnamon, and coconut milk. It's super easy to use. The way I like to drink it is with hot water and I drink it like a warm cup of tea and I use it as my nighttime ritual. Reducing stress and getting sound sleep are some of the absolute best things that you can do for your health. And that's exactly why Organifi created Organifi Gold. So to try Organifi Gold and all the other amazing Organifi products, go to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I F I dot com and use the code Rosie R O S I E and receive twenty percent off your entire order. Or you can simply go to the show notes on this podcast and click the Organifi.com link and now back to our show. Which is a great segue because I, I want to ask you about the your new book that, that right. just came out and um which is about you know uh getting out of destructive cycles and really uh connecting the dots to um all the stuff from your past and present you know to to get you to a place of of more presence and more awareness so right tell us a little bit about
0: that so um a number of years ago i noticed and i've done quite a i've probably done more work on myself than your than an an average person who's really any personal development could do in 30 years. I mean, I I, I did this super intense sort of development over a period of about 10 years, and it was really super, super intense. Mm-hmm. And um, I never understood why, even after all that work and all this awareness and like highlighting what was in the dark shadows of my thoughts and thought processes and behaviors, And adding them all up and making them make sense, I couldn't understand why in certain areas of my life, it felt like I was compelled to burn it down. So I would like build it up. And then just this like compulsion just to like, well, let me just throw a fucking hand grenade in this. For no reason, apparently. Like, I'm like, what's going on? Like, why? And so I would make money and then I would spend it. Or I would get my body into the shape that I wanted. And then I would indulge it. And I'm like, what? How come? And so every psychological ex, ex, explanation of that just was completely effing useless to me. It was like, oh yeah, you're an emotional eater. Like, what? The, what everybody's a fucking emotional eater, right? <laughs> right. <clears throat> um, you know, it, well, it is. I'm hungry, and I'm experiencing some mood or emotion or arising, and so I eat a slice of pizza. So I thought. There's got to be something else at play. Like, why do I keep returning to what I would call home plate? Why do I keep coming back? Why do I keep my, like, I'll venture forth and I'll come back. So this new book, which comes out in May 7th, it's called Stop Doing That Shit, End Self-Sabotage. And I really mean it like end self-sabotage and demand your life back. Um, Gives you, as the reader, the blueprint to your own self-sabotage, but you'll actually uncover yours. You'll see what yours is really all about, mm-hmm. and and it was, and it was in witnessing my own that the light bulbs just went off like crazy. So there's three components to it, but I'll share with you one of them. So it was in the area of my finances, and uh, I noticed that this is where I came to the the, the I came to this kind of understanding i don't really talk about myself in any of my books i'm not a particularly fascinating subject but i but i but my um but i understood this kind of dynamic that was going on with myself and i could see it in other people and what i started to see was that somewhere in my life i came to what i would call some fundamental conclusions like immovable objects in my psyche if you like and I didn't really see them. They were hard to see. I was too busy living them. I couldn't see what was driving everything. So one of them was, I really like a view, but it's not just a view. A view kind a view of leaves you with the experience, I guess, that you're just seeing something. I was having this experience, if you like, an experience of life, and it was emotional, physiological, psychological, like all of those logicals. Um, And my experience of life itself was that it was a struggle, that life is a struggle. And that was just like there for me, like no matter what I did, right, like this kind of overriding experience that life is just a fucking struggle. And I know that wasn't always the case for me. There was a time before the struggle, but there was certainly, I couldn't pinpoint when that was, but I knew that life had certainly become one. And it seemed like it had been this way since, you know, like my mid to late teens. Like it was just hard work and a struggle. And then I noticed that when my life started to go in certain directions, so I would get a, kind of a level of success. And it would be rising and rising and rising. And it would start to get to a place where what was happening in my life and that fundamental ex- experience of struggle couldn't coexist. They couldn't live together. I couldn't, for instance, an example would be I couldn't be financially well off and the experience of life being a struggle coexisting. So what I noticed was as I got closer to shedding this experience, that it is like I could let go of the experience of that life is a struggle and maybe experience life as something else. Um, I would undermine the success so that I could get back to the struggle. So I would get close to it and it'd be like, oh, that's good. But but when I was there, there was a future like starting to show up, like just kind of come over the horizon where I would have to be someone that I'd never been before. Mm -hmm. So I would kill it. But I wouldn't kill it. I wouldn't sit. I wouldn't wake up in the morning and say, okay, well, let me just totally fuck this up. Nobody says that to yourself. Right. If you are saying that shit to yourself, all the fucking yoga in the world will not save you. But anyway, <laughs> I I said, all right, well, here's what I'm going to do. I I would, it would be like, I would find these really compelling reasons to spend the money. It was like, listen, I, I think we really need to upgrade the car. And I would have all these reasons why we'd upgrade it and spend another 10 grand on a car or 20 or 30 or you know, I really think I'm just gonna get rid of these shoes and get new ones. And it was this, we should go on that vacation, we should do this. And I'm I'm like, what Th- that's when I really caught myself like emptying my bank account like a like a guy fucking shoveling coal in an old steam engine. You know, I'm just like get the money in there, burn that shit up. And it was like time after time after I'm like, what are you doing? Like you you accrue this wealth and then you burn it. Um And that's when I really started to realize, like, I'm drawn to, I'm compelled to live out this life as a struggle. And if life is starting to conflict with the notion of a struggle, I will manipulate life to line up with it. And it blew my mind. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, suddenly, huge swathes of my life made sense to me. Like, this has all been about me bringing a struggle to life. It's not about there's a struggle in life. Sometimes there is, sometimes there's not. But it was about me bringing a struggle, like enlivening struggle in my own life, and uh, that was radical. That's when I. That's actually the time in my life when I pivoted in a whole other direction, and started to build, like you know, like financial well-being for myself and my family in a way that I'd never done. And I was able to notice that compulsion. I was able to notice that emotional state arise, the kind of um, nervousness mm. and embrace it, embrace this um, this bank account, feel like like it's okay. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I can still do what I do without the experience of struggle. I can build wealth without the experience of struggle. And so what it, what it brought into my life for the first time in my life around the area of finance was something called peace of mind. Which I'd never had. I'd never had it. And I was well into my forties by this point. Um and so now I'm now I have this kind of I notice because the trigger's still there for life is a struggle. It's still there, it comes up. Mm-hmm. But my ability to spot it for what it is, like this just kind of you know, like defunct app on my phone, right? It just kinda comes up every now and again. Yeah. I don't I don't do anything with it, I just acknowledge it, you know. Thank it for the advice and move off in a different direction. So, uh, and and in the and in the book, that's only like a small aspect of it. There's I actually lay it out for you, like why you're you're driven to be the you that you've become, and why you're driven to undermine your own greatness. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I can't wait for it to come out because it <laughs> it just sounds like there's. It just even in you saying that it's it's so funny because it doesn't matter how I'm doing air quotes, how um advanced in your journey you you think yeah. you are or how away <laughs> oh, you know, especially in the yoga and meditation world, it's like, oh, because you do yoga that means you're not an asshole. Like that's not necessarily the case, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um and I think that what you're saying is so compelling because I, I think it's a constant assessment that, like I said earlier, I mean, we need to be doing this constant questioning of what are my motivations? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, you know, so what kind of daily practices do you do in your own life that contribute to this awareness?
0: Yeah. Um, so a number of years ago, I realized that I'm not I'm not a good register for how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So why? Cause it's all over the place. And so I know a lot of people and I, and I get it. I understand a lot of people rely on, Oh, intuitively this or intuitively that, or I just had a feeling and I followed. And, and what they usually just count are the times when that was right. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't count the times where it was just like fucking way off. Right. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah, but I knew it about that person. <laughs> But the fucking 50 other times you had that feeling, you were just <laughs> off, you know, um, and we all, and, you know, we've all done it. And so there's a lot of like reliance on this thing called intuitiveness or feelings. And there's a lot of like this fucking skewed, like just just like taking snapshots of science and squeezing it into a kind of new agey kind of philosophy, which I'm I'm just not a big fan of. So anyway, I realized that this is a this is a bag of skin and bones. And that it feels lots of different ways, kind of, and often it's just doing its own thing, you know. Like I, I wake up. I'd love to wake up in the morning, like fucking zippity doo dah, birds are fucking singing, and everybody's like, hey, it's good to see you, oh, it's crazy, yeah. But that's not the case. I wake up some mornings and I'm like, damn, I don't know, no, oh, come on, and that's that's not of my choice. I don't wake up like, all right, so let's choose shit today. I'm doing shit. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing done really badly. And I'm going to go down a dark hole and my shittiest thoughts. And then I'll just go and be with my children. Um, so what I really determined for myself is I'm going to stop wrestling with this machine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop trying to fucking make this do something other than what it does. Right. And so I have certain practices and for one of a better word promises so things that I say are happening today, and I hold myself to those, and my physiology sometimes wants to do them and sometimes doesn't, but I do them anyway. So that is, I, I have the trajectory of my life live outside of my biology, And the trajectory of my life goes in the direction of what I say. And sometimes that's easy. Sometimes that's challenging. Sometimes it seems like it's impossible, but it allows me to, I keep raising the bar with myself, you know, like when I, when I released my book in 2016, I self-published at the beginning and my, and, and I'm, and I, my game was like 500 copies sold. That's what I'm going to do. And, you know, it's hard to sell five hundred books. I mean, that's really challenging, sell five hundred books. Mm. Um, but I did it. And I had to turn myself inside out to do it. I had to become someone that I wasn't comfortable becoming. But the five hundred books thing existed outside of my biology. It was in the universe, if you like, or in the world. And then I raised it to two thousand copies and then, you know, we got to thirty thousand and then, you know, now it's a hundred and something thousand copies Mm -hmm. but all all of that was just raising the bar with myself and challenging myself like I was willing to go into places that I thought I couldn't operate and so I do that on a daily basis I'm like constantly looking at what I do and I'm challenging myself to go beyond to get into the world of the unknown of the uncertain of the unpredictable and because my biology is pulling me into the safe and predictable. And so it's it's really just a simple strategy of like, in my life, there is one line, like a straight line. And then there's this kind of squiggly in and out, up, down, around the boat, which is all my biology. And my job every day is to bring the biology to the straight line, is to keep bringing it to it. And that includes when I'm suppressed and I, I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to bring myself to it. It's when um, I'm most stressed out or dealing with life, I'm going to bring myself to the straight line. And I keep bringing myself to it and bring myself to it and bring myself to it. It's not about being perfect, it really is about being relentless and the challenge of keeping your life in a direction of your own creation while your own physiology wants to take you in a different one. Yeah,
1: that's beautiful. I love that.
0: It works.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I'm, I'm taking everything that you said in and I'm just, I, I'm so fascinated by the simplicity of those, those things, you know, the simplicity of, okay, you realize you're, you're in the squiggly line, like bring yourself back to the straight line. That's your baseline, right? Just bring yourself back to the baseline. So I really love that. So. Gary, I have just a couple more questions for you, um, and I yep. can talk to you about this for hours. I mean, there's—I've uh, asked you two questions out of twenty-two that I had writ- written yeah. down. So I'm probably talking too much. <laughs> no, 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 much. no. It's <laughs> great. No, I love it. I think it's great. It's just there's so much. You're a, a world of knowledge. So, um, what is the definition of freedom?
0: Oh, that's as simple as hell. Um, freedom's not a feeling. Freedom is an action. So, the German philosopher Martin Heidegger, who obviously spoke in German, so but a lot of a lot of his work has been translated into English and sometimes done well and sometimes not done so well. But uh, Heidegger said basically, freedom for a human being can be found in the way that they act in a certain situation when confronted by their default self. So in your day-to-day life, you are your default self all the fucking time, right? It's not like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of being my default self now. No, you're always your default self. So that is you're always the person that you've turned out as. And so Heidegger said freedom for a human being will be when they see that, like, the, like this again, this kind of compulsion to act in a certain way, And they choose a different path and they act in a different way. And in my view of people, many people in their lives are waiting on their feelings to change. So they're not going to write a book. They're not going to start a business. They're not going to ask that person out. They're not going to move house. They're not going to la, 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 because they're waiting on their feelings to move. And what needs to change is not how you feel, but what you do. And if you're able to act in a way that's free of the constraints of who you've become, for me, that's freedom.
1: Thank you. That's that's great. I think that's probably one of the best answers we've received on the podcast. That was really good. <laughs> great. great. It's so true. Um, what advice would you give to your 15-year-old self?
0: Uh, well... I would probably say use your life for others quicker.
1: What advice would your 95-year-old self tell you now?
0: See? Fucking told you it would work out. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: great. Yeah, that's good. I, I feel like most of the time any anytime we get, we're able to project into that future, it's, it's always some simple wise statement, you know?
0: Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it's
1: funny that we can forget it in the present state. So um, I want to ask you the final question and it's in regard to this forum, this, this podcast in our community, I, I created radically loved as a place for people to come to for um, support creativity, inspiration, and to just feel loved, to feel supported. And it's this idea that the the universe works for us and not against us. And it's the idea that we're innately radically loved by God, source, whatever higher power of your understanding. And so the final question for you is how do you feel radically loved?
0: Um. I guess when I look at um, my wife's generosity, um, that is she is willing to spend her lifetime in my company. And there's a lot of ways she could have taken her life, and she didn't. Like This is the way. This was her path that she chose. And that she chose me. And, like, she really chose me. And I'm not a fucking easy choice. You know, I have my moments, but I also have other moments. And um, and and when I get present to that, when I let myself, can I be present to her choices? I'm in the presence of love.
1: Thank you, Gary, so much for uh, everything, for the incredible work that you do for your honest authentic and genuine approach to the space of just wellness in general i i find it hard to find people in this space that are that have all those components and uh, i'm a big fan obviously and i'm i'm really grateful that you chose to be on this podcast to share your wisdom and knowledge with with me and with all of our listeners so thank you so much for doing that thank you Uh, where can people go for more information or to connect with you
0: yeah so you can find me on twitter at gary john bishop on instagram at gary john bishop uh, on my website gary john um if you want to there's a bunch of videos on youtube you can get a little more insight into some of my views on certain things um of, you know obviously my social media channels i'm very active on them um, I'm, I'm constantly giving people little nuggets that I'm working on um, and I mean like every day or two days will be another nugget up here. Um, I'm really committed that people get to interact with me in a way that if they have no money they can still get the insights and um, if they have a little money they can still get the insights um i have courses on my website um, they're designed to be affordable so you know you can buy one of my courses for depending on whether there's a sale or not but anywhere between 70 and 100 and something bucks like the low hundreds um so i'm i'm really committed that people get an opportunity to use the work i, I don't do masterminds and i just don't do that stuff i know some people do but i don't um and then you know there's a book tour coming up in may where i'll be doing you know lots of cities chicago new york um, LA, like I'm going to a lot of different places, um, and you know, there's some. I've got some big projects coming up this year that I can't quite reveal yet, but they'll be, they'll be awesome, and they'll give me an opportunity to reach a big, wide audience and and make the kind of difference I'm out to make.
1: Yay. Awesome, Gary. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything. For again, being on the show and for sharing all of that knowledge and uh, for all the work that you do and for really holding yourself up to all of those those levels of integrity and honesty and authenticity and i just i think you're a great example for everybody around you so thank you
0: thank you rosie
1: Powerful You is coming to Los Angeles. Finally, I'm so excited. This three-day transformative event brings world-renowned influencers, visionaries, and entrepreneurs directly to the LA area. So get ready, LA. And if you're not in LA, you must come. We've got some incredible people speaking, many who have been guests on this podcast. We've got Lisa Bilyeu, Lori Harder, Glennon Doyle, and... I get to be speaking at this event, which is still hard for me to believe. I'm so excited. It's May 17th through the 19th. Get your tickets at powerful-u.com or you can go to the show notes of this podcast and go directly to the link to get your tickets now. This event will sell out and I really hope that you treat yourself and get an opportunity to come to this amazing event. So I'll see you soon.